This is Megan Martin, and you're listening to the Power Company Podcast. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate good it. to see you. I'll see you tonight, yeah. and good luck. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to episode 132 of the Power Company podcast, brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. I'm going to be honest with you. I have a absolute ton of things to do. We are crazy busy over here. Um, we just are working on an assessment tool for climbers that we're really excited about, and that's been keeping me busy. I'm updating all of the ebooks. We're working on a a December training camp in Chattanooga, so stay tuned for that. Um, new t-shirts, the Element t-shirts, and the Kimstagram tanks are now on the website, so go get those before they run out. I've also got a book in the works. We're booking some of our summer workshops. Lots of things. Maybe too many things. Maybe not though. And Honestly, it all just comes from you guys sticking around and making this thing possible, so I appreciate that a ton. And I know you'll appreciate that I'm just going to get into this interview rather than sitting around here yapping like I tend to do. I get a fair amount of emails asking for either business advice on how to get into the climbing industry or... You know, what does it take to build a small business? Um, a lot of those type of questions. And and I myself seek out advice as well. And a couple of the people that I often talk to about this kind of stuff are the Chancellor Brothers and Yusuf Danishar, um, who are all from the So Ill family, so to speak, Um Dan Chancellor runs So Ill, the hold company, the product company, and Dave Chancellor runs Climb So Ill, the gym with Yusuf and and a couple of other people. And I talk to those guys a lot about branding, about um, building a community, and, and just business in general. And I really admire the way they've gone about it. And both of today's guests, Dave Chancellor and Yusuf Danishar, have both been on the podcast before, episode 34, I believe it was, a live episode at their gym. And this is sort of a follow-up conversation on what we learned from them in that live episode. They've, uh, they've got a new gym that they're opening up, Climb So Ill at the Steel Shop, which will be in St. Charles, Missouri. And they first announced that this gym was happening to their community, their public, at the So Ill Showdown, an event that I emcee. And watching the video play, there was no announcement, no nothing. They just black screened the big screen TV, and and this video began playing, announcing this new facility and it was it was actually a really emotional moment because 
this community is really invested in what these guys are helping to build and and just watching that go down was pretty damn cool. So I wanted to hear more from these two about what it looks like to build a successful people-based business. Let's get into it. Maybe don't, maybe don't. I don't want to pretend like we have this grand vision, like we have this 10, 15, 20-year plan of where we want to go. So things aren't done haphazardly, but it's also not something that we're looking too far ahead. morning after it feels like much earlier morning than it is after the so ill showdown which is one of my favorite events to do of the year one of the only things i'm still emceeing you know that i don't want to give up i love it and we're you guys are kind of like going over the things that you already have to think about deal with make better for next year Yusuf, I sat down at a table at the after party with you last night and you're making notes about how to make it better for next year. And I think that that's kind of where I just want to start is the idea that you guys and the whole company take things and learn from them, whether they're good or bad, and then just move it on to the next level, build something bigger based off of those ideas. So can we kind of start, Dave, I think, correct me if I'm wrong here, but you were the first one kind of in the climbing industry business before Yusuf, right? That's correct. Yes. With the whole company based out of the, was it your parents' garage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, quick synopsis. Uh, We, you know, built a small climbing wall in my parents' basement and we would charge the neighborhood kids to come over and use it. Um, That's kind of where... uh, where this thing got birthed. Um, so yeah, kind of fast forward, we moved into making you know, some climbing grips and uh, sold them to the local shop, attended a, a show, and things just kind of progressed from there. Everything's always just been uh, you know, trial and error. Uh, you have successes and you have failures. And um, the, the challenge is to just to stop, reevaluate the failure and figure out moving forward how to um, basically how to, how to, how to progress uh, without destroying yourself. <laughs> when you were like jumping into the, we're going to charge kids to climb at our wall, we're going to make grips, and starting this brand that's become so ill, um, which sort of feels like a juggernaut, you guys are always evolving in different directions. Was there a path that you could see that was, here's our way into this climbing industry like was it was it laid out was it obvious I, at first no um, because I think that's where maybe passion is the, is the key to the startup um, and not so much driven by work or a plan um, so it's just you know it, originally it's just two guys passionate and having fun and that's what kind of you know is the catalyst to starting a, a company I, I, I feel and then as things progress uh, that's when things get more important, there's more on the line, there's more risk to take, and it's, it's important to, to, to plan this you know, out in a, a more um, you know, f- formal way. 
but the challenge is, you know, when we started, we were just young, we're just kids, so you know, we had no idea what we were doing. Um, so it's been cool in retrospect to look back, and by God's grace, we're still here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, you made some right decisions. Probably screwed up a lot of things along the way. Are there any from that early business before we move into what's become Climb So Ill? Were there things that you learned in the grip making business that you decided I'm throwing this out? I cannot carry this on to my future businesses. Things that were bad lessons to learn. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, what I you know you mentioned uh, passion is the startup, and uh, you know, there's a such an excitement. It's a honeymoon period of uh, of building a business. Uh, you know, new grips, new colors, uh, new designs, uh, marketing efforts. Um, all that stuff is just uh, just such an emotional roller coaster that is just it's so much fun. But there's countless mistakes along the way. Um, I, I remember at one point my, my brother and I had mixed a, a huge batch of urethane. Uh, we were basically living paycheck to paycheck using the funds to purchase a 55 gallon drum, pigments, and we had to you know, pour these holds, get them out the door, um, you know, net 30, net 60, get that funds back and then reinvest to keep growing, growing, growing. You know, we mixed this huge batch of, of urethane. Dan got a, a phone call from an account, and we basically got so excited, we rushed out the door. After the phone call, we returned back to the barn. Uh, we were making the, the climbing grips, and the uh, urethane had hardened. The, the whole 55-gallon drum. It, it wasn't the 55. It was the uh, a, a big. Uh, it was a five-gallon bucket, but still, the, the the cost at that point was detrimental, and it was so frustrating. Uh, so yeah, there's, I mean, there's countless stories like that. <laughs> Nowadays, you just drill a hole through that and call it a volume. Yeah. Stick it on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> so Yusuf, how did you hook up with Dave and this So Ill brand? And how, you know, besides just becoming friends, if that was even how it started, how did you decide, okay, I'm willing to go into business with this guy who's been to clown school and you know, is an obvious out of the box, way, way out of the box thinker. So I met Dave like early in my climbing career. And, you know, at that point, I really didn't know much about him or his brother. But every time I saw Dave, he was just in you know, balancing incredibly, a chair on his chin, just incredibly supportive and just really excited about what he was doing um, and just sharing that with people and that was infectious and so I didn't you know we ran into each other you know uh, out climbing or um, at the local gym that was in town at the time and uh, you know that's how we met and it just seemed like it would stay like uh, a very peripheral relationship where we just see each other because we're part of the same community um, and then uh, I was just living on the road for a little while and climbing full time and I got a call from Dave out of the blue. This is this is to the best of my recollection this is how it happened. I Dave called me just with some questions and we were just kind of talking about the climbing gym industry and you know uh, the nuts and bolts of, of 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 how does a climbing gym operate and uh, and slowly those conversations just became more pointed and you know at a at a certain point uh 
Dave kind of let me know what him and Dan were doing, thinking about putting in a gym here in St. Louis. And, you know, that got me thinking, you know, is that something that I'm interested in doing? Um, I wasn't sure at the time, you know, I had been uh, living on the road for at that point, maybe two years and didn't have much luck finding work. So I just thought, you know, I'll, uh, I'll help in any way I can, but I wasn't really sure that I wanted to jump into it. But the, you know, the turning point for me was just realizing that, uh, there was an opportunity there. And, uh, you know, if I wanted to have some stability in the long term, I needed to make a move now. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to say that it was a, a really, you know, difficult decision. But at that point in my life, I was ready, you know, to put roots down. Yeah. And that, that kind of leads me in a couple of different directions. Number one, Dave, what, if it was sort of a peripheral relationship, what made you call Yusuf to ask these questions and then lead it into a business opportunity? Yusuf's the, you know, at that point, the typical dirtbag living out of my car on the road. What was the draw there? Sure. Sure. I think, uh, it's it's easy for me to figure out where the holes in in the program are. Um, you know, one person can't carry the the weight of of what it takes a team uh, to execute. Um, so I think uh, it's pretty pretty easy to evaluate where my strengths are and weaknesses are. Um, and so by by kind of looking outside the box and trying to put the puzzle pieces together, um, we were able to kind of get a team together that ha- had the glue to to become successful. Um, yeah. And Yusuf just looked like one of those pieces. Like you knew he had the skill set that made sense for you. Absolutely. You can probably just tell by the podcast in terms of how we speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're just looking for people who don't balance chairs on their chins. and so, yeah. yeah, it, it I mean, takes I, all types of people to, to make uh, this, the world successful, you know. And, uh, and uh, I really respect where our team is, has, has started from and, and where it's, it's gotten now. Yeah, well, you know, something that both of you share that I think a lot of people in this climbing industry who are looking for ways to create a living, build a career, you know, make a business, something that they miss oftentimes early on when they get really excited about, oh, I love this climbing thing that I just found and I want to be a part of it is that both of you were pretty core climbers. You know, you've, you've both traveled around, you've both been in the scene, you've, you've both been really involved, and you've spent time out there climbing. How important do you think that is to the initial building a business in this space? Yeah, yeah, it's, go ahead, you said. It's huge because we had no idea what we were doing. So... We all we knew is that we loved rock climbing, um, and we could figure out the rest. You know, if we didn't have that kind of dedication to something, uh, I don't think we'd be where we are today. You know, every decision was motivated by you know how do we share this experience with other people, and how do we make it better for other people. Um, you know, because I don't come from a business background. I mean, obviously, Dave and Dan had more experience at that point than I did. Uh, but operating a gym is a completely different 
animal, you know? So, um, so just being passionate about what you're doing, I think goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember, uh, taking off time, you know, dropping out of college, hitting the road, traveling, climbing. Um, I think my parents shed a tear that day when I notified them. It was time to check out. Uh, you know, but that actually laid the groundwork. Um, in terms of the product company, laid the groundwork for, for where we were at. Those, I mean, I, we traveled basically out west and spent months on the road and met you know, professional athletes and uh, uh, photographers and industry leaders. And, and what's funny is that has laid the groundwork for a lot of stuff that we do now. Um, these people are now retail shop owners. Um, they're, they're, they're climbing gym operators. Um, they, uh, yeah, they are now the glue for, for the product company as well. Yeah, and that's, you know, you just brought up something that I've always really admired about how you and Dan did business back in the day. The first time I saw you, I've joked about this, you know, balancing a chair on your chin thing, but the first time I saw you, that's what you were doing in a gym in Cincinnati. Um, and I was a relatively new climber, walked into the gym, and here's this clown walking around the gym, you know, balancing a chair on his chin. And I'm like, who are these dudes? And you're in there just you know, you brought some grips and brought them to the gym in Cincinnati, you know, and it was, I don't know what that was, the late nineties, maybe yeah. Does that sound right. I'm guessing Mid to late. Our startup was kind of 2002, but we kind when of, was it that late? Yeah. We kind of sprinkled though around, um, popping in and out of different sites, but I, I would guess it's sometime, sometime around there. Okay. Yeah. And so for me that like, go create these relationships. And more and more I see you in, you know, you pop up in this video here and I hear about you guys over here and you're doing first ascents in this zone over here. And, and more and more I'm seeing that you're creating these relationships in all the different little corridors in this industry, you know. And I think that's, for me, that's something that makes climb so ill the gym which i want to get into in just a second different because it does seem like there are these cultivated relationships with the community around you and it's no longer just with the climbing community it's with this whole community that you've put the gym in the physical geographical community that you're you know getting tied into and I think, you know, like you said, Yusuf, it's huge to be a climber. I think that's where it starts. You have to be able to tie into that community. Um, and then you guys have taken it, taken it into this bigger web of people. So Yusuf, you mentioned that Dave and Dan had more business experience starting out, but none of you had experience building a gym other than charging neighborhood kids to climb at the wall, you know? So nuts and bolts wise, I don't want to go too deep into the nuts and bolts of it, but what were the big challenges of trying to figure out how to build this business that you guys didn't have any experience in at all, other than just in the community and in the industry? Sure. Um, I mean, there's, I think the, the hardest part is the startup challenge, right? It's, it's you've got this great idea, but how, how do you execute it? Um, I worked a lot with uh, uh, my father-in-law, um, who actually uh, passed away a couple weeks ago. But he, uh, 
he really gave me the sort of master's business track uh, to help execute this project. Um, I remember uh, you know, him saying, okay, we have to hire a designer. We have to, uh, I remember just laughing, like, what do we need a designer for? We're talking four walls and climbing walls. Like, how, how, how crazy can it get? And uh, we sat down with her first meeting. Her first question was, um, so how do you want the space to feel? And I looked at her so blank stare of, what do you mean? And she said, well, when you go into a Best Buy and you go into an Apple store, they sell the same product. But why does one feel different than the other? And I knew at that point this was going to be a very long road. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the answer in there is that it's, it goes back to building relationships, you know, you, you, I think that was the, the biggest part was knowing, being, being humble enough to know that you can't do it on your own and understanding that other people are, uh, are skilled in, in, in certain, uh, in certain things and just relying on their experience to guide you. Um, you know, because all of those decisions, yeah, like you said, like may not have been things that we would have come up with, but we were just open to getting help, which yep. I think is the mistake most people make is they're too afraid to ask for help or to seek help. Um, At what point does that sort of flip as a small business owner? You know, something I struggle with personally in my business, and I heard you you made a comment to me yesterday, Dave, you had a to-do list and you're like, it's going to be faster if I just do it instead of trying to explain to someone how to do it all. And that's something I struggle with quite a bit. How do you know when to hand it off, when to bring someone else in and when you should just figure it out on your own, get it done, move, move past it? I think that happens when you find the right people, you know, like when we first opened the gym, it was just Ian, Dave, and I working every hour at the climbing gym. Right. You're doing the desk. You're doing the books. You're doing the belay checks. Everything. everything. You know, uh, like we weren't scared of the work. You know, we wanted to do it. Um, and at that pace, I don't think we would have lasted this long, but we were able to find the right people along the way. And so... You know, what, what I've learned is, you know, all of the things that we, that we do, anyone can do them, right? Maybe they can't do them the same way we do it, but anyone can do them, but it's hard to teach someone how to do that. You want to find somebody who understands your vision already or someone who is just as driven and motivated. I can't teach someone how to be motivated. Right. I can't teach someone how to work hard. You, you do or you don't. Um, so, I mean, especially in the last three years, I feel like we found really good people that we can rely on. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's been the, the key to making that turn is that you start seeing these people who have these skills and you start relying on them more. You give, you know, you, you, you see how they can help develop the business and you just have to lean into that. Otherwise, you know. Uh, you know, otherwise it can be really difficult to shoulder all of that on your own. Yeah, I, I think to add to that too, is like, I, like we genuinely care about 
the people that in the team that's around us like I check in with them all the time like I want to know about their personal life I want to know like how can I help or can I assist or can I um, you know sometimes I'm a bit, a bit older maybe not as bright but uh, can like is there any any sort of advice I can give you um, as we go and you look back and like what whether it's you know our staff and our team that's you know that that as, as part of the the machine or it's the uh, uh, you know gym members and the community uh, it's it's the people that matter most um, and when you share your vision and you share your idea your concept uh, people people show up to support that dream and that that is huge and I, I like being able to return that favor to other people yeah you know another thing I've I, I've used you guys as an example um, and as a sort of uh, a mentorship in a lot of ways, um, both of you as well as Dan, and something I've joked about quite a bit, um, and I think I've said it on this podcast that that I need a Jess White, you know, because you guys have Jess who does so many things in the gym and does them well and cares about the gym and how it looks based on what she does, you know, so she cares about that. Something I think is interesting and challenging is when you get an employee and you build them up, whether it's a setter or a trainer or coach or just someone who's learning how the gym works and operates, then they become part of this culture. They get really good at what they do and then a bigger gym offers more money. And they have to move on because they're making more money, you know. And I know that's a reality of having a small business, a small gym. How do you handle that sort of thing? Is there, I'm sure there are immediate, you know, feelings of, I don't even know, animosity is not the right word at all, but how do you handle that both personally? and business-wise? You know, to piggyback on what Dave said earlier, I mean, we're just trying to do the best for the people that are closest to us, and sometimes that means letting them go. Um, you know, we'll do our best to, to make a fair offer. You know, we want to mm -hmm. show that uh, we really uh, value what, uh, what a team member uh, brings to this company. Um, but you know, we are a small business. We can't compete, uh, on a certain level with, with other climbing gyms. So, you know, we don't try to pretend that we can, you know, we're not gonna, you know, we're not going to bankrupt ourselves by, you know, promising everything and not being right. able to deliver on it, you know? Right. So we just try to be honest with people, you know? Um, and that can be hard, but, you, you can't, again, you just can't be afraid of the work. And sometimes the work is, you know, delivering bad news. Sure. And, and I don't want to stand in the way of someone else's dream. Like if that's what they want and they're, they're, that's their trajectory on life and they, they want to move to a, a you know, different scene and change of environment, you know, that's people are going to do what they're, they're going to do. Um, so, you know, we put our best foot forward and we uh, work hard to try to retain and uh, uh, create good company culture. But at the end of the day, like if, if someone needs to chase a different opportunity, like, I, you know, I wish them the best of luck. I mean, that's what we did. So I don't want to stop anyone from doing that. Right, right. And, you know, I, I've seen how close knit your, 
your group is, your core group here in the company. So I'm sure there are immediate feelings of hurt and, you know, I wish it weren't coming to this. But what I have seen you guys do and is, you know, John Unkst used to set at your gym. He's moved on to a, a bigger gym um, and being a, a headsetter there, but still does work with the Soil brand, you know, and I really like seeing that from a distance, knowing that there's not some big rift there that he's still able to reach back. You guys are still able to reach out and work with with people that used to be your employees, you know, that you saying that you built him up to get that opportunity is probably not the right way to say it, but you provided that stepping stone that allowed him to move on and there's still opportunity to work together there. And I think that's really important. Yeah. Not burning those bridges. Right. John and I have been friends for over a decade. You know, we started root setting together you know, the first few times that I ever went rock climbing were with John. Uh, you know, so whatever happens professionally won't change that aspect of our relationship. Um, and at the end of the day, like, he's, he's a good friend. And what you do for a good friend is when they have a better opportunity somewhere else, you just be supportive. Yeah. You know? Um, and, yeah, I still like working with John. He was He was back in town... Uh, for the Christmas holiday, and he did a workshop for our house crew at the gym. You cool. know, um, he was able to work with them for a day, and you know, there's no, you know, there's our attitude is like there's we don't close any doors. Yeah, I don't have time right. for that. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. there's no time for it. You know, like people, you can choose to be emotional about it, but at the end of the day, like. Everyone's just trying to do, you know, the best they can. Sure. So just just make it a little bit easier by being graceful. Yeah. And, you know, in a small business like this, it's very often that you do hire people who were and are friends. Um, Dave, in your case, it was business with a sibling. How's that evolved over the years? I've, I've heard Dan talk about it a little bit on a podcast, and I've chatted with both of you about it a little bit. Um, and and the, the two businesses have sort of evolved in different directions, but within the same footprint. Um, so tell me a little bit about splitting up duties and how you can do it with a sibling or anyone who's that close to you like a brother is sure sure um yeah gosh the plot thickens this is a loaded question how, how much time do we have <laughs> man it is it is wild right like you know love my brother to death we don't always see eye to eye but that's okay and i think that's what makes um uh, the businesses successful is right. that we don't always our visions don't always align um if they did, it'd be a one-track business, and it wouldn't spread out the way that it does. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, it just really comes down to communication and knowing that you're not always going to get your way. Um, and that's just a fundamental thing that just drives, uh, tries to stake in my heart. It's like you put your best foot forward, and you, you come up with what, what you think's right and what, what you, uh, where you'd like to see you know, maybe a project going. But um, 
you got to remember there's people with better experience or different skill sets or different talents. Um, and so sometimes you just got to take your thumb off the pulse and let them uh, execute their vision. Uh, we, so yes, Dan and I started you know, the product company together. And there's you know, challenges with anyone that you work with, um, and especially with, uh, with a sibling. So it, there's, there's some salt and there's some sweet, and it's kind of mixed up into a, a big bag of nuts. But uh, <laughs> for the most part, we've, we found uh, a lot of, of comfort in, in kind of uh, separating the workload and uh, me working on, uh, you know, on the, the gym side and my brother focusing primarily on the product company. And then we meet in the middle with kind of big picture discussion and, and planning. And we've gotten to the point that we're both so busy that our conversations are just really matter of fact. Um, we, we don't have time to worry about anyone's feelings or getting hurt. Um, it's just, you gotta be point blank and you gotta know that we're, we're not trying to rock each other's boat, but we just gotta get through the information. We've gotta come to a decision so we can move on. And that's what's cool about small businesses is that we have that opportunity. It doesn't have to go through you know, 25 people's hands. Uh, it doesn't have to get fact checked by an outside third party. It's like, let's, 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 let's make a decision. In our hearts, we feel like it's the, the correct thing to do. And then let's execute. So we've talked a lot about community, culture, you know, the, the people are the important part. How did you, and how have you kept that? How did you come to that as sort of a core idea? And how have you kept it that? Because it's really easy to get wrapped up in the, the inner workings, the gear turning of the business and the money aspect of it. And how can I make more money in this business? And, and that's all a part of it, I'm sure. You know, that's something you have to think about as a business to to succeed yeah but how how do you keep the the core value the people and the community where I experienced uh, the term community was traveling on the road and I think uh, the, the road can be you know a lonely place and I've talked about it a, a lot um, uh, but what's wild is that people help support your dream or your vision or your passion. I remember several times on the road, you know, getting completely rained out um, uh, and another climber welcoming me into their home, feeding me, like giving me a place to stay. You know, you can park your rig outside my house. And, and that was the, my first exposure to like strangers interacting, embracing each other and just having a genuinely, genuinely care for each other, um, a, a passion for people. And I think taking that and, and that is my foundation and, and transferring that over into um, you know, the gym um, is, has kind of been, uh, been what I've enjoyed about, about Climb So Well. Yeah, and it's not a, you know, this might not be uh, the most fun answer, but at, at the end of the day, I think it's, it's, it's ingrained in your personality. You know, you... It's another, it's another thing that you can't teach someone how to do. They either care about people or they don't. And I think that's something that the two of us are really fortunate in, in that we really prioritize people. So, you know, the quick answer is like, we don't work at, we don't work at it. It just comes very naturally to us. Right, right. It, so to answer, it's difficult. So all I can say is like, you have it or you don't. We just happen to have it. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's an important part of making a business work is knowing that your strength is in the people or, you know, knowing that your strength is in numbers and data and and sticking to that. And, and I've heard you guys talk about several times pulling in the right people, you know, so you're the people getters and the cultivators and, and pulling in the people who might want to focus more on the money, the data, the, you know, the inner workings is an important part of it, right? I mean, oh, it's huge. I mean, we're not going to pretend like we can do that stuff. I opened right. Excel once. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny, Chris, like I, I got to crack. Uh, I, it's a good laugh, but I basically every once in a while I got to jump into a spreadsheet. And uh, <laughs> one of our, you know, co-owners, Ian, uh, is an Excel master. Yeah. He's so smart. Yeah. yeah. Spreadsheet ninja. I think he pretty much wrote Excel, <clears throat> like the program itself. So <laughs> as soon as I open it, I always look over my left shoulder back to his workstation and I can hear the wheels of his uh, chair <laughs> slowly gravitating in my direction and I just hear this breathing and I know to not really noodle around there too much um, or he's going to have a comment They're usually followed by his throat <clears throat> clearing where I'm, I'm going to uh, help guide you through this uh, so yeah oh, <laughs> strengths and weaknesses oh my god yeah he's like he's so brilliant and I don't know well it's the same thing like I don't know how his brain works but it, he, it, it, it's so complicated in there. You can't teach that to somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he just is that. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so we're just, yeah, we're really lucky to have a partner like Ian. Yeah. He's, yeah. And I feel like we filled his, the voids that, you know, uh, where his weaknesses are, like we help fill those voids. So it, it really, it really works out well. Oh, I mean, just, uh, you know, an example uh, so we're in the middle of this construction project in St. Charles, right? And all of the planning meetings, that was such a long time ago. But Ian can go out to the job site, look at the work that's being done, and he'll catch 10 mistakes. Right. Go back to the plans, verify that those are mistakes, and then he'll make the call and put things right. Right. I mean, I walk in there and just think, this is great that this is happening at all, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yep. But he's yeah. gifted, you know? I think that's so important, you know, having the right people doing the right jobs. And, you know, you just talked about this project at St. Charles, so let's go there a little bit. Um, last night at the showdown, we, the way people entered was the gym fills up, it goes dark video plays there was no announcement other than here's this video that frankly was an emotional video about the community the people and that's what makes this gym and that's what we're hoping to continue at this new bigger facility with with things so i mean a small business is hard to run it's not this thing isn't running itself yet. You know, you guys are still working hard and working a lot. First, why jump into another one? Why build another gym? Why add more work like that? Radio silence. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, <clears throat> the opportunity was there. 
Uh, I mean, that's where I think that's where we I would want to start. Like, you know, I don't want to pretend like <clears throat> we have this grand vision, like we have this 10, 15, 20 year plan of where we want to go. But when we see an opportunity, we consider it from every angle and then we make a decision, you know? So things aren't done haphazardly, but it's also not something that we're, you know, we're not looking too far ahead, you know? Um, I think if you look too far ahead, you can miss things that are right in front of you. And this was one of those things, you know? So opportunity was there and I think, you know, it's been six years now, seven years. Yeah. I also just kind of think we were ready for something new, you know, like we love what we're doing um, at the flagship gym, but I think we are, you know, just like an event like the showdown, we're, we're at a point where we're making so many friends, we just need more space, mm. you know? Yeah, there was, you know, several projects, you know, in the queue that for one reason or another imploded, whether, you know, it just didn't feel right or maybe the, the characters involved um, uh, just uh, didn't resonate with, with uh, you know, with kind of our culture um, or the buildings themselves. Um, and this opportunity um, just checks so many boxes for us. And I think the my favorite is that this this building's uh, it's, it's on the historical registry and it, it really ties into um, this sort of uh, uh, branding of of, of buildings. Um, this this space they in World War II they used to manufacture uh, tanks and uh, ammunition. It's got all that you know gritty patina and brick and natural light. Um, you walk into the space and it's just inspiring. Um, I I mean I dream about buildings like this mm. and so it just like Yusuf said it just felt right the opportunity the the people involved um, uh, the momentum that has, has picked up and just started carrying through where, where we're at currently um, yeah I'm, I'm happy to see, to see this thing through it's interesting that you you talk about the building the way that you do and I hadn't remembered this but hearing you talk about it I remember that when you were first getting the the current flagship gym going, there were videos of you walking through the space and looking at the space. And, and for me, I mean, even from hundreds of miles away, I see that and I'm interested and I wanna know more about it and I wanna follow this story a little bit. What made you decide to put that sort of story out there. You're doing a similar thing with the the next gym coming. It's Climb So Ill at the Steel Mill, is that right? The Steel Shop. Steel Shop. Mm -hmm. and, and the current gym is Climb So Ill at the Power Plant. So you're, you're, you've tied this story in and you're telling it to, to everyone, letting everyone behind the scenes and seeing your vision and... Was that something that you planned ahead of time or is it just something that you do, something that just happened and works? Well, I remember uh, one thing that Dave's father-in-law, Jim, said about the power plant. Um, you know, he, he made a comment that, you know, you really want to find a place that you want to go to every day. Mm. If, you're, if you have to work, 
five days a week or more, where do you want to go? And the power plant's that place. The steel shop is that place. So um, I think that has been a guiding principle in deciding where we go. Um, and, you know, looking, looking ahead, you know, it's, it's certainly going to inform, you know, what we do with, you know, any other potential locations, but we're not even thinking about that right now. We're focusing on, on this one. Well, at least we can't tell you about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these, I think these buildings though, uh, you know, I go back to that design discussion. Um, you know, there's a Starbucks and there's a local coffee shop and they both, you know, they sell a product and the, the feeling you get in these historic buildings, it's just, you feel like you're at home and there's generations and stories that took place in these buildings well before us. Um, and, you know, as you get older, you start thinking about legacy and like what you can leave and uh, the people you can impact. And I think th those things are, are really have been have been heavy on my heart lately. Yeah, that's I used the term just recently talking about gyms. Um, so I, I go to a lot of gyms around the country and I use the word factory because a lot of gyms just seem like they're just there to move people through them, you know, and, and you're right. The, the climb so ill at the power plant has a feeling, you know, and, and, and that's something you guys have cultivated and, and done very purposefully and intentional and it shows. And I think that, I think that analogy of the Starbucks and the, you know, the, local coffee shop which one feels better which one do you want to go to which one do you just want to run in do your thing run out versus sit down and think about the space you're in you know i think that's a perfect analogy for it um what are the i, th I think we know what you're carrying forward into this gym is there anything you've learned in this first flagship gym that you're trimming the fat on, cutting out, moving into this second gym, things that have seemed like they're tough to carry over and you just won't continue? The biggest thing is just making decisions more quickly. Uh, I mean, we were so, we had such a perfectionist mentality in our first few years of operating uh, the power plant and I think a lot of that was helpful and that it, it really got us to think critically about what we were doing but you know picking paint colors would take days you know now it's five minutes we just need to get it done it, you know because the, we want to spend our time on making experiences Picking paint color is part of that, but it shouldn't take days, you know, you should be spending those days with people. So I think that like we're more agile now in our decision making. And a lot of that comes down to, you know, we have seven years of experience. We right. know how each of us is thinking. We're, we're I think we can we're, we're mind readers at this point. Yeah. You've, Between you've the three practiced of us. making these decisions. Between like Ian, Dave other. and I were, we know how. Yeah, yeah. How those decisions are going to get made, or what motivates the 
that process. It's, it's not a, a careless um, brush off, you know, and Yusuf nailed it. It's like we've spent so much time in the details of the first project and studying, I mean, actively studying where we've, we've, we've dropped the ball and where we've had successes in the current gym. And it, it's really easy to just uh, utilize that as a platform for, for gym number two. And it's not that the paint isn't important because that aids to the experience. Um, it's just that we can move much quicker um, because we've been there before. And, and I kind of want to know how that is. I mean, obviously, you guys have all spent a lot of time around each other as this unit. But there's also these people who do their jobs and you let them be somewhat autonomous in doing their jobs that they're good at. Are there regular check-in periods with these people? Do you have team meetings? What does that look like? How do you all continue your vision in a similar direction instead of everyone sort of taking it and running with it on their own? Well, you know, we're at a point now where uh, the, the people that are part of our core team are so exceptional at what they do that any input that we would give them uh, might be steps back. You know, they, right. they, they are professionals in what they do, um, particularly our creative director, Taylor Ashford. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I can't help him, you know. Uh, anything that, that I might do or say will just take up his time or distract him from what he's doing. Um, but that being said, like we do have a collaborative work environment. You know, we do. Uh, I don't. I don't like to check in on people. You know, we're all adults. Everyone is motivated to do a good job. Um, so uh, I don't necessarily feel that it's important to to check in on folks. But we do. You know, um, weekly status meetings so that everyone can talk about what are you working on, where do you need help. Um, you know, is there a detail that we missed? So the way we look at our status meetings is it's really a way for us to um, to make sure that all of the details are accounted for and that everyone has a seat at the table to voice um, a suggestion, a concern. Um, so we really do want to make it, and I, you know, I, I don't want to say that this was intentional. I think it's just, again, kind of how we are. We, you know, we want people to feel like they're part of something because we know how important that is, you know, to our experience. So uh, you can't feel like you're part of something if you're always being told what to do. Right. Is there a, a break-in period and what's that look like when you're, when you have a team member who's coming in, you're excited about having them be a part of it. it I, I feel like there must be a break-in period where it's they do something and then they say, is this right? Is this what you want? And that sort of always creates more work for you. Um, We're both right there right now. Right? Sure. Like, yeah. we, like on both sides, like, you know. With new people coming oh, into yeah. the gym? Yeah. Like, you've got... Uh, you know, someone helping you with sales, she just started. Yeah. You know, so there's definitely been a break in period with, with getting her caught up with how you do things, how you like things to be done. Um, I think most small business owners have this 
this personality that allows them to just get things done and to do things on their own and that's you know that DIY mentality is sort of pervasive in the small business world how do you know when to say I don't need to see it you did a great job let's just move on or I don't have to double check your work constantly how do you know when to start allowing that instead of show me what you do every time i think it's day to day you know um i for better or for worse the way i i choose to to work with our team i'm going to use like the house uh root setting crew as an example you know i treat day to day less like on the job training and uh i treat it more like a mentorship so that's the time where there's space to make mistakes um, to find different methods and course correct so that next time it gets better. Um, and so, you know, there's, it's, it's, uh, I think in that period of time, you really get to see like, you know, how are people incorporating feedback? What are they doing on their own to improve their own skills outside of what we're doing day to day? Um, and then it's just, you know, just small, uh, small tests, you know, giving people just a little more responsibility at a time and just see how they handle that and just guiding them through that at, you know, when they need it, um, but not handholding so much. And eventually you get to a point where, you know, they become confident in what they're doing. And, uh, and that's like, I think the missing component when you're new, you just lack the confidence. So you're constantly like asking like, is this how I do it? Or is this how you want me to do it? Uh, once they, you know, once someone starts acting confidently um, in their decision making, uh, that's when I think the conversation starts changing, and then you can start being real specific about how you'd like things done. Um, but that's that's like a, a character quality that you don't necessarily see in that first few months. You kind of it's a slow game. You got to wait it out a little bit, um, and then in different situations like the showdown. You know, you just have to tell people what to do because we don't have a lot of time. Right, right. You know? So it's just different. It just what, depends on the circumstances. Yeah. Yeah, so you just mentioned the, the root setting crew at the gym. And I wonder if I could get both of you to kind of run me down your job titles at this point. You've been in the gym for how long? When did the gym open? 2012. That sounds right. I'm bad at math. So you're six, seven years in. Yeah, yeah, something like that. At first, your your job description was much longer, um, or included more small tasks. Six, seven years into this gym, what do your roles look like? Do you play one role and that's it, or now are you still wearing a bunch of hats? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's changed and evolved over time, and so has the business. Um, you know, you, you evaluate what programs and things were successful and what were flops and failures, and so you're kind of always retooling stuff. So your, your hats kind of change uh, depending on uh, what trajectory we're, we're headed in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, you know, for me, it's, uh, it's a lot about, uh, about the community effort. Um, 
uh, a lot of that comes through um, uh, big events, uh, big group bookings, um, sort of these full facility takeovers with event space and party planning, um, and a lot of the details um, that, that come along with that. Um, my, my focus is shifting um, uh, back to our roots of, uh, of, of more hyper-focused on, on community and members and, and, and back to the people that, that drive this machine. Um, there's a little bit of a pivot too with the new gym and startup. Um, I, I enjoy people and I, I like getting out and like getting, uh, you know, rolling up the sleeves and, and just doing the work. So um, I'm moving into somewhat of the, you know, the promotional aspect of, of the new facility and, and telling our story to the, to the new community that's going to uh, surround and impact us on a, a daily basis. Um, so yeah, yeah, we wear we wear a lot of hats. We collaborate, um, you know, between each of our, our roles um, to make sure we kind of are, are all on the same page. Um, but yeah, that's the long and the short of it. Yeah, Chris. I know. I know it's not a clean answer because it's not a title. But right. you know, my my approach to work is my title is dependent on who is on our team at that particular point in time. Right. So if I have who's being autonomous in their jobs and right. where do I pick up the slack? Exactly. So this was, I don't know, this must have been right around the time we were starting up. Uh, we used to go to this bar that was um, in the central West End and the owner would like frequently hang out at night with the staff. He's just there. It's his place. So he wants to be a part of it. And he gave me his business card and his business card said, um, uh, bartender, dishwasher, owner, mm. in that order, mm. you know? And that's exactly how I feel about what I do at work. You know, uh, my position in the company is the least important thing. It's, you know, what are the things that need to get done? And those are the jobs I'm going to do. So if we don't have someone to do it, that's my job. Right. So, you, you know, you have to, to, to interject those those breadcrumbs, though, are so important um, uh, because they're, they're holes in the program. And like we you kind of you start letting all of those little things potentially slip away. And uh, your, your gym then just turns into a sort of I'm, I'm here to make money and I don't care about people. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And that's you know, that's one thing that, again, it just comes naturally to us. I, we, we all of us live very simply you know we don't want more than what we have you know um and so none of this is a money grab and none of this is motivated by money at all um i don't know if people will believe that or not but you know every decision we make is based on how is this going to affect the people that are that are in our circle and how do we create formative experiences for people whether that's you know a women's only workout class or bringing in the power company to do workshops with climbers who are just transitioning into this next phase in their climbing careers or which we appreciate by the way of course we love having you there. <laughs> school for the blind <laughs> you know yeah doing events with school for the blind it's like you know how is this how can we create an amazing experience for people and then the asterisk is without going broke Right, right, right. And, right. You know, if you lay, and that has to be there. 
if you lay that groundwork, the the reward, the byproduct is the money. The, the that naturally is the natural yeah. progression. But if you put the money first um, and you make every decision motivated by dollars and cents, um, uh, that's how you get crippled. I, I believe totally. And that you also just can't. I don't think you can. Uh, you can't sustain. You know any kind of reasonable work ethic. If you're just motivated by the money, because when the money's not good, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Well, and you guys have mentioned failures several times. Like, if we try to implement this thing and it doesn't work, and we move on, you know, or the pieces weren't falling into place, or the people involved weren't right, so we move on. Is there an example of a a failure you can think of that you can tell me a little bit about? And I ask because we see the successes, you know, we see that the team at Climb So Ill is opening a new gym. We don't see all of the times you've searched, gotten excited, had it fall through. Or we see this women's training program that's going great and classes are filling up. We don't see the programs that didn't really work and you had to scrap this thing that you had worked on and, and loved intensely for the months that you were building it, you know. Is there a failure moment that you can think of that seems formative that you can talk about? Sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's every day there's one. Uh, <laughs> uh, small scale, big scale. Uh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned uh, gym projects. Yeah, we've had them implode. Um, you can't dig down. You can't blow the roof off. The municipalities are too challenging. There's um, uh, maybe a, a landlord or a purchase option that just doesn't feel right. It just, there's a gut check in your spirit, and it's like, this is not working. Um, but man, uh, you can... The, I embrace the failures because you learn so damn much from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking back, I, I have, now have a laundry list of things to, to keep an eye out for. And these are things that as, as you start working on uh, you know, new uh, XYZ, the, the process starts to get out of line of what you typically do. Um, and those are, mm-hmm. those are things then that, that, that have just helped, helped me. <laughs> yeah, it also depends on like how you individually define failure. Uh, like sure. as, as, as you asked the question, like I have, I don't know that I can answer it because yeah. I, I don't necessarily feel like anything was an abject failure. I mean, things certainly have not worked. Right. Like I'll, like I'll, like that is, that's a fact, but none of them feel like failures, you know? Um, or the, or, or the, the things that I can think of are just so small. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but you know, I would say maybe uh you know something that was a was a learning experience was uh, edit this out if you want to maybe we should talk about it but it was the first time we had to fire somebody mm-hmm. um it got done but it was the first time any of us had to let someone go and in retrospect we should have just been more firm than we were i think like the conversation we had was very ambiguous. Right. And I, when you're... When Nobody you're, really wanted to go there. Yeah. It seemed like strange ground to tread on. Because it was all, it was new for the three of us. Right. And uh, we just, I think we froze a little bit, but in retrospect, you know, you need to respect that person enough to tell them like, this, is, this, this isn't working out, this is why. 
and that's it, you know? We're learning to become, like, just, you just got to be more honest, right? And, and right. I think it's, uh, when you withhold information, you're hurting yourself and you're hurting that person as well. Um, and yeah, it, you're not doing them any favors. Yeah. Right. It, but it's tough sometimes. We, we want to sugarcoat or we want to, um, uh, yeah. It just gets so personal in this business that it's sometimes it feels difficult to say the thing that you need to say. Right. right. Because everything is a relationship. Right. I think, though, we do a good job of if there's an issue, we take it to that person. You know, we Definitely. have the conversation with that person. We don't blast out on social media. We don't um, tell, you know, 25 people about the situation that's going on. So they tell their 25 friends. Um, this is a, uh, it, it's something I really respect is like we all have difference of opinions, but I want them to take that to me. Like, give me the chance to uh, you know, show you my perspective, to understand it. Um, and, and, I, and I think, of course, correct what you're doing if that's the case. Yeah, and know. I've corrected all. The, I'll be the first to admit we do not always get it right. Yeah, and right. I'm not. And I'm not trying to be right. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, before we wrap this up, I want to point out something that a term that you've used a couple of times, Dave. Um, and actually, it's a term that I've struggled with in my business because we use the catchphrase just from early on it just something that came out of my mouth and it stuck and so we use the phrase we build machines and and you've used the term machine as well and and I've examined this word a little bit because because it doesn't tell the whole story of what I'm trying to do I'm not trying to build a machine you know and and I don't think what you guys have is a machine either it's this living breathing growing organism you know it's it's this it's this thing that's much bigger much more organic than a machine and and that's something i've appreciated about so ill from its beginnings um and climb so ill from the moment i saw the videos of walking through the power plant and and what the vision was to the moment I stepped into the gym, you know, uh, and end up to today. And it's why I come back to do the showdown, whether it doesn't fit into my insane travel schedule or whatever. And, and it makes me feel good that you guys are like, well, we really want you here. What can we do to get you here? You know, and it tells me that, yeah, it's more than a machine. You guys are more interested in the people and, and how all the people work together and, and just the whole culture behind it. And, and that's something I've looked up to, admired, and tried to recreate in my business. So, so thank you for not being a machine, even if that's the word you're using, and it's the word I use often. So I just wanted to say thanks for, for not being that and for being something, something bigger. Hmm. Yeah, it's funny in retrospect, you look back at like, you know, the the people uh, that have been involved in the project and the community that's been there. And, uh, you know, I've said this lots of times, it's bigger than any one individual. It's bigger than, than all of us. People have met at the gym, they've gotten engaged at the gym, and, and now they're like having children and the kids are climbing at the gym. Hopefully they're not having children at the gym. That would be messy. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so you look back and you're like, holy cow, like, you know, when you're drafting a business plan, you're borrowing money, you're signing a lease, you're trying to figure out, um, 
uh, you know, all the, th just the nonsense that comes along with uh, trying to chase your passion, uh, you look back and you're like, holy cow, like these projects actually impact people and they can potentially change the trajectory of someone's life. Like, it did for us. Yeah, it's freaking awesome. Climbing did, I mean. Yeah. yeah. I think too, like we had uh, two deaths, two funerals in two weeks and it just puts so much in perspective that like we are, we, we enter the world with, with nothing and we leave with nothing. And what we do in the middle is like, let's do some rad stuff because we are going to be dead soon. And I know it sounds so morbid, but it's also it's a, totally true. It's also a motivator and it's like a catalyst to like, let's do rad stuff. Um, let's care about people because at the end of the day, you know, we only live as long as the last person that, that, that knows us. And once they pass, like, what do you have left? So let's have some social graces. Let's care about people. Let's reach out and have tough conversations in person. Let's, um, yeah, now I'm just rambling. Maybe I should write fortune cookies, Chris. I don't know. <laughs> well, so when does the new, the new space for all of your new friends open? What's, what's the you know, rough date? Yeah, you, uh, it's so fun. The second you pin a date down, it's like... People are waiting. Yeah. We yeah. didn't do that with the first one. I'm, I'm hesitant to say anything okay. about this one, yeah. uh, but we will keep you posted. Okay. Yeah, um, it's fully under construction. The, uh, the crew's doing an amazing job out there. Um, walls have been designed. I think we're moving into a production phase now. I can't wait for Team Bulgaria to show up on site. Um, it's always a, a hoot after you know years of planning to, to see these, this crew show up, uh, just ready to start slamming up climbing walls. Um, so yeah, yeah, soon. I you know. I know that's not the fun answer, but I'm also not the fun one. He is. <laughs> <laughs> It's coming though, so it's that's, that's all we really need to know. And I'm looking forward to next year's showdown in the new gym. Yeah, it'll be a good determined. one. Chris, you're really good at podcasts. You should consider doing this for a living. <laughs> I'll think about it, man. I'm not so sure though. So thank you guys for taking the time to, well, first off, get up early after a, a late night and sitting down and having an amazing conversation. I, I appreciate it. So yeah, much. happy to do it. Thanks for letting us do it. Thanks, Chris. You know, like I said, both of these guys are mentors to me in some way. And I really admire the way that they run their businesses and how open they are about missteps that they've made and and the successes and what they feel has been the successful parts so that I can recreate it in my own business. Um, the, the community behind Power Company Climbing is hugely important to me and and watching the way that these guys operate has made it easier to stay that way and not get wrapped up in in the money, in the business of it. Um, I mean, that's a really easy place to get lost. And this crew does a really good job of navigating that. You can check out videos and images of the new steel shop space at a link right there in the show notes in your pocket supercomputer. If you're ever in St. Louis or St. Charles in the near future, go visit Climb So Ill. I, I think it will be a different gym experience for you than most gyms can provide. And, and I think it all comes down to that really tight-knit, really loyal community. So go check it out. Also, like I mentioned, new shirts. You can find the link right there in your pocket supercomputer. 
lots of really cool, exciting things coming. I don't think I mentioned, we've got some collaborations coming with some of your other favorite climbing companies. I would say I can't wait to get those out, but I have to wait because it's a lot of freaking work and I'm doing the work. So look for new things soon. In the meantime, you guys know where to find us, powercompanyclimbing.com. You can find us on the Facebook, the Instagram, the Pinterest, at Power Company Climbing. Follow us there. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Look for us on Twitter. You're not going to find us there because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles. Yeah.